Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place to bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, your body, your movement. This episode is part two of the two hour and change conversation with the fellows from Mind Pump. This one gets into some daily movement fundamentals that everybody ought to have in their daily existence. And uh, we also get into some philosophical banter of sorts. I really appreciate the guys from Mind Pump. It's Adam, Justin, Sal. Uh, They are absolutely hands down some of the world's best trainers that you could find. And they have been having access to some of the best minds in the world for a long time now. So we get to pull from a whole array of different ideas from these guys. So I really enjoyed the conversation. You can check them out at Mind Pump Media. And uh, yeah, it's really fun stuff. I traveled out to San Jose for this conversation, and it was the first in person interview they've done since all of coronavirus. So that was cool to get to have that have that connection. If you enjoy this episode, you might also enjoy the Paul Check episode. You might also enjoy the Bruce Lipton episode. Uh, Aubrey Marcus might be in your wheelhouse if you're into these types of topics. So really fun stuff, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you are interested in learning a little bit more about some alternative breath technique. Your breath is the governor of the way that you think, the way that you feel, the way that your body produces its neurochemistry, hormones, etc. And if you have some semblance of awareness of how you can start to manipulate that breath, then you can start to augment the way that you think and the way that you feel. Mechanics is a major component to this, so figuring out how, what's the position of my feet? What's the position of my hips, my spine, my ribs, my diaphragm, my neck, my shoulders, all of that is tied back into your breathing patterns. And your breathing patterns are also tied back into those systems and the patterns in which they govern themselves. A lot of words for suggesting that if you control the way that you breathe, you can control the way that you think and the way that you feel. You want more energy. You can breathe yourself into more energy. If you want to feel tired or you want to go to sleep, get better quality sleep, you can breathe yourself into better quality sleep. And you can learn a bit about that in the masterclass that we put together for you absolutely free. Also get into some self-care movement stuff in there as well. But we also do tap onto breath's door for you to learn a little bit about how to control your pulmonary situation. So that is found at alignpodcast.com slash masterclass linepodcast.com slash masterclass it's also found the link for it is in my bio on instagram at align podcast thank you guys for reviews on itunes it means the world thank you for grabbing the align method book there is a lot more information in there in all of these topics and that's it that's all here we go back to the conversation with mind pump Pow. aaron are you a sci-fi guy do you watch sci-fi stuff not enough. I'd be more creative if I was. Well, a, no, a, I'm, I'm just interested link. if you think there's a there's a movie that's out there that depicts our future the best. Idiocracy. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I haven't well, seen that. You haven't seen that? What? No. Oh, haven't? dude. Oh yeah. This guy. Uh, so I saw this a long time ago. But oh, it's an it, old movie. He gets fro. He gets frozen 90s. or whatever, yeah. and he reanimated or whatever in the future. And this like pro wrestler's president. 
and dumb people were having more kids than smart people. Anyway, everything went backwards, and everybody's really dumb, and they don't drink uh, water. They drink the soda soda because that's full of electrolytes, and they feed it to their plants. Yeah. It's a comedy. It's It's a comedy. Oh, I'm going to have to. It's painfully accurate. And he's a a normal dude. He's an average dude, but but because the future gets so stupid, he's like the smartest man in the world. I can't believe I've never seen this or even heard of this before. I've got to watch it. You got to watch it. I thought Sarah gets, Sarah gets to me with Bruce Willis. I feel like is very close to where we're heading. I believe that Matrix is another. Yeah, right. Those are kind of very similar, right? That we're going to be plugged in. I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a clear division of, of uh, humans in the future. They live. That's what I think. Yeah. There's going to be the the plugged in and then the unplugged people. I think they're, I think we're smart enough and there's enough of us that, uh, see the writing on the wall, and that I think if if it keeps going uh, crazier and crazier that direction, that I think we'll revolt and go the other direction. But I do think there will be a mass majority that will fall in line. I think a hundred percent our own arrogance is going to be our downfall. We're so smart, we give ourselves everything we think we want, we can satisfy every pleasure, which is going to start to get closer and closer to that. And then we're going to realize it's like that scene in the Matrix when they capture Morpheus. Mm-hmm. And Agent Smith is talking to him and he says, you know, in the beginning, the first Matrix was a utopia for humans. We made it perfect. And your feeble mind couldn't perceive that things could be so good. And we lost entire crops of humans. We rejected it. Had to remake the Matrix with all the challenges of real life in the 90s or whatever at the time. Because we don't know what utopia is. We think we know. And we would create it if we could digitally. We'd be too bored with perfection. Uh, not just that. There's no meaning and purpose of things. Imagine if you could just, this is when people ask us this question all the time. What if there was a pill that made you fit, lean, and healthy? Like, would that be the answer? And I'm like, well, no, because most of the benefits you get from eating right and exercising is the pursuit of doing Certainly. so. It's not the, the result of it. It's the pursuit of it. That's well, we have ex- I think we see yeah. examples of this with the uber rich all the time. I mean, I, I feel like I see- or celebrities. Yeah. Like, I, I, where, I feel like there's more uber rich or celebrity people that look depressed, sad, oh, yeah. or have so much pain and sorrow in their life than I think of that like, oh man, they, they look really happy or they really like got it all together. So, and yet they have the ability to pretty much oh, buy yeah. or have anything that this earth has to offer. Do you, do you know Daniel Everett? Uh, don't sleep. There are snakes. Have you ever heard of that book? No, no, no. The Paraha people in the Amazon. No, um, I said the Amazon, so it's just one country. I think it was Brazilian Amazon. I'm not sure, but but um, what he found in studying these these Paraha people, he went out there as a, a Christian missionary, and mm-hmm. so his intention was to go and you know convert them over and get them Bibles and the whole thing. And uh, he went out there kind of with his own version of like resting bitch face. And the Paraha people, they documented the amount, yeah, there's the book, they documented the amount that they smile to uh, determine like level of happiness. It's kind of a weird thing whenever you see like- Oh, I've heard somebody reference this Whatever before. university is the happiest place in the world. It's like, how do you figure that out? Who takes surveys? Like, what is it? Yeah. But so the way that they documented was literally just measuring the amount of time that they're smiling throughout the day. And comparing it to all other cultures that they compared it to, these Paraha people apparently were the, the most smiliest people. And what was interesting with that is they don't have any of the their language structure and their belief systems are completely different than that of modern hyper-analytical aggregate stuff, quantity, quantity, quantity. And so they don't even have uh, any numbers. They don't have any sense of history beyond their life. So if you tell me about Jesus, I'm like, is this your brother? Is this your, like, <laughs> give me more details. And they're it's like, oh, no, this is a guy 2,000 years ago. They're like, 2000, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? So they even had a 
conception of that. that uh, you know who talked about that? Justin, who went over to the Congo. He talked about their perceived happiness within their community with having like nothing. Nothing. Like they had like one pair of clothes, a pair of sandals. And we're, like, we're like, I don't know enough about computers to deem whether this is an appropriate analogy, but I think we're like computers in the sense that we only have so much bandwidth. And so if you offer the majority of the bandwidth out to, to material unanchored shit, then that's where your energy goes. Know, and so if that's where you're thinking, that's where your mind is occupied. And now all of a sudden, well, I have evidence. I've got mm. two Lambos. I got the new Lambo SUV, dog. I'm coming up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, it's like, that's me. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, so if you don't have any of that, you don't even have the opportunity to make that you. Yeah. You don't have any opportunity to identify with that. Right. You know, and so if you don't have the opportunity to identify with that, it's like, what do I have around? It's like, well, I have people. Well, I have my body. I have my, my friends. Right. <gasps> I have, this, I have cool, my kids. this cool stick that I made, right? <laughs> wow, I have this this food. Wow, it's not amazing. It's not, you know, comparison to like if I was like Paris Hilton, you know, but it's like it's but you don't it even nourishes have that, you me. You don't even have that comparison though. That's all you know. Right. Right. But but if it's like if that's what you have, it's like the five movement principles, like break it down to like simplistic, like what do I have in front of me? If you have less, it makes it easier for you to actually pay attention to the things that matter because those are intrinsically with you. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we live in these modern market-based societies and and markets do one thing better than any other system. They give us what we want and they innovate very, very well. What's the weakness in that? It's what we want. Yeah. And we don't know what we need. We only know what we want. And what I want right now is pleasure, distraction, entertainment, good tasting, you know, hedonistic value of the food. And I don't want to move. So you're going to get a lot of that. And uh, it's not really what you need. I think sometimes when you're forced in a situation, then you start to really, you know, realize things. The thing is, it's, it's, it's no one's fault. You know, so I think it's really easy to like shit on modernity and shit on Western culture. No, it's no, like, no, no. oh, like these guys and they don't it's care a learning. about anything. No, it's, it's learning. Yeah. If you think about the amount of commercials that you're exposed to, I think it's something like by the age 30, you're exposed to something like 20 million commercials or some ridiculous number. Your whole life, since you're a little person, and then also multiply that times your parents' perspectives and the world that they grew up and all the commercials they've been exposed to, it's literally all of those commercials are selling you the idea that you will be enough, you will be loved, you will be supported, you will be all of the things when you have our shit. And so literally, like you, your software system, unless you choose to actively unlearn it, you need to go out of your way to actively unlearn it, is such that I will be whatever, you know, enough when I make this money and buy dude, that thing. Dude, I, I had a such a, a mind-blowing paradigm shift a while ago, and I'm going through it now. So my wife's pregnant, right? She's in the third uh, trimester of pregnancy. And a while ago on the podcast, I have very minimal knowledge of natural childbirth and the history of it. My knowledge at the time was what I had heard. And I remember on the podcast, I said, oh yeah, childbirth is so dangerous. Number one cause of death in women throughout all of history. Thank God for modern medicine and blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, I got a message from a midwife who was like, you're so wrong. And that's not how it works. And you know, I, I, she's, she's obviously an expert. And I went back and forth with her and debated and discussed. And she got me to the point where I became open-minded. And I said, well, okay, well, this is interesting. Then I started learning more about the natural childbirth process, and I started to see that the way that we treat childbirth in, in Western societies is the way we treat everything with Western medicine, which is it's a medical emergency, because yeah. that's what Western medicine does really well. 
You cannot compare with Western medicine for dealing with medical emergencies. There is no system that's better at that. But like anything you're really good at, if you are a hammer, everything's a nail, right? So that's how they treat it. And you see it in the movies. This is how I was conditioned. Oh my God, the woman's water broke. Rush to the hospital. Ah, my wife's pregnant. What's going to happen? Ah. Yeah. And, and you, she gets to the hospital and then the muscles of the, the cervix are like sphincters and, and like any sphincter muscle, it ain't going to relax unless you're relaxed. Correct. And your body's not going to have this baby unless you your body feels safe, right? And so we have this cascading event of interventions with, oh, you're not moving fast enough. Here's this, this, this chemical called Pitocin. Oh, now it really hurts. We got to give you an epidural. Oh, you can't have the baby. Let's do a C-section. And so I started learning about this. So now we're in this process of, of, of we're going to be doing, you know, childbirth with a midwife. I've learned about natural childbirth. I'm taking these courses and it's so interesting. I didn't know this, right? This is something that happens sometimes with women, right? They go through the process of natural childbirth and there's different stages of it. And once they start to get to the last stage, which is the most intense and things are really happening, sometimes the body will stop for about 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> They'll just stop. And the midwife say, oh, yeah, the body knows you need a break. It'll wow. just stop. doesn't mean you're not having the baby. It gives you time to get your energy back because the next phase is the baby's going to come out. The other thing they said was, don't worry about pushing. You will push. It just happens naturally. They said, And they said something to me, which was like, well, duh. If you knew nothing about childbirth, your body would have this baby. Yeah. It's going to happen. You don't need to know anything. And there's a lot of instinct and natural things that happen. And we've countered it so much that we've, we've created something entirely different. It reminded me of that when, you know, we go counter to what's natural for ourselves so much that we're causing ourselves a lot of problem. And it's everything from how much stuff we have, all the stuff we think that's going to make us happy. When in reality, a lot of what makes you happy is your mindset, what's within you, how you perceive things and people. People is what really makes people happy. In fact, it's a people that care about you that's for, right. for more than the shit that you've worn on your sleeve. Right, right. Good people. So, and once again, it is, I like the idea of taking full responsibility for everything and also at the same time saying, okay, it's not my fault because I'm just a part of this algorithm and environment for me and all that. But your friends, the people that you have around you, that it's, you created them. So by you leading with, Oh, like me because I have this sweet car. Like me because I have this. Like that's me because I have, have that. Like <laughs> that's the people you'll have. I mean, you. like what? Like welcome to L.A. You know, L.A.'s. Yeah. How the hell do you live in L.A.? By the way, you're so opposite of L.A. <laughs> I needed you gotta to be a fish out of water. I there. went to L.A. because I, you know, come from like nature, stony meccas around. You know, so I lived in Boulder, Colorado, and then been Oregon and Hawaii for a while, and. Um, did a bunch of traveling in between that. And I felt as though the way that I describe LA is LA is like an oven. You know, so you go to the other places in the world and you gather your ingredients and you make a pizza and you see, so you put it and you get it all sorted out and it's a nice circle and you got the pepperonis or whatever, maybe it's vegan. And then at some point, be politically correct. Some, <laughs> you know, there's the LA yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm withdrawn. <laughs> I, I picked up on that right there. Yeah. Could, could be, it could be, could be vegan. Could be vegan. Could be vegan. Totally. <laughs> Don't judge plant-based pepperoni. But at some point, my sensation, which may or may not have been accurate, was like I need to I need to put the pizza into the oven. And so you know, I I drove my car down to the oven. I've been there for the last four years, and now I have you know the book, and I have the online program, and I, the podcast has grown. Don't leave the pizza know. in there too long. I was going to say, but you don't want to leave the pizza in too long. And so now I'm planning on moving to Texas, Austin, Texas, for oh, uh, for a short amount of time. California is losing everybody, I swear to Dude, God. Dude, it's nothing but for lease signs. 
like around my neighborhood, yeah. like every block, it's just like Feliz, Feliz. It's, it's almost down there. Right? It's like sad and almost like an interesting game in a way. We're gonna see another Feliz and I get this weird dopamine hit. I'm like, whoa, another one! Wow, because I'm not a, a landowner in LA, so I'm like, whatever. You know, and I, I, I own a place in a more rural setting in, in Bend, Oregon. So my individualistic perspective is like, as people surge out of these places, they're going to go to like nicer, more so, rural type spots. So, so Aaron, you live living in the, the mm-hmm. secular capital of the world next to probably Vegas, right? Do you, yeah. do you feel there is a, a healthy balance of some of these things, right? We talked, we, you alluded to the Lamborghini yeah. um, and, you know, Sal's alluded to us chasing pleasure and, and getting things for the hedonistic value. You know, can we, can we be in pursuit of, of growth and being a healthy person and also uh, find ways to al- allow some of those things to uh, come into your life, or is it all bad? I think it comes back to the same response: is are you consumed by the game, or are you able to have like more of a witness role of the game? Right. If you're in that position, it doesn't matter what you do, in my opinion, because you're not consumed by it. You know, you could be consumed by any game. You know, if you think that. You know, all you are is, I mean, there's some games that would probably be better if all you are is a father or all you are is this or that. But even within that, you can step back and observe and say, oh, wow, I'm, I'm playing this human game here. You know, and so I think it's, it's, you know, it's like religion. You know, it's like because you were raised in this specific culture with this specific book, in my perception, it doesn't mean that that book is true. It's just the one that you happen to have been dropped into. So within that religion, are you able to gather the tools and the benefits from that religion or from that perspective or city or whatever, um, but not identify entirely with it because you, you're not that. I think the person, depending on how healthy they are, and I mean that in the full sense, that's what determines the things that they chase and the things that they want. So in the sense, what you're saying is true. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but who you are changes what you're doing. And you won't be doing it's certain chicken, things. It's chicken or the egg. Right. It goes back to the same well, thing. Well, some body, so, body, right? I, I mean, I, I subscribe to what you're talking about here, and I, I really feel like that. It comes back to the awareness thing, right? You keep alluding to the witness thing. I, I think yeah. of that as just self-awareness. Is yeah. that I'm aware that this is a materialistic thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware that it, I, it is not me. It doesn't make me anything. But I can also say, like, Boy, is it fucking fun to drive. Fuck yeah. You know, boy, is it, boy is it cool how it corners. You know what I'm saying? I think, yeah, be LeBron James. Just don't drink your LeBron James Kool-Aid. <laughs> like, do everything you can to play that game well. Yeah. And realize that this is just, just that. Right. You know, and then from there, I have got no hate for, you know, hate for the player. You know, it's like... <laughs> You know, it's like, damn, he plays the game well. Right. That's great. Right. But does he think that he is that shoe moving around the board right. to use Monopoly? Right. You know, it's like, do you really you really think you're the shoe? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the shoe because I'm winning. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you lose hard and you're like, I'm not this shoe. And you go through some form of existential crisis where you have to analyze yourself deeper. And now maybe all of a sudden you become, you know, born again, something. Right. You know, you start to really come out and say, God, I was never the shoe. I was, it was bigger than this. The whole, man, I needed some, some figure. Maybe I, I choose to elect it some figure in space, you know, some God figure, whatever it may be. Like that's, that's the leader. It's taking me home. 
But before, I thought I was the shoe my whole life because I was winning the game. Right, Not right. even realizing you're the sock. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Within the shoe. Hey, it's, it's interesting. I don't, you know, whether you subscribe to a religion or you speak it like universe, it's pretty wild how that lesson is taught. Yeah. It will be taught. It at one taught. point. Oh, yeah. At it's, one, all, it's, it's physics. It's yeah. spiritual wisdom. Yeah. It's, it's spiritual it, physics. I think it's really, it's like there's a science to it. It's the same way that people are built up in culture to be torn down. You get to a certain level where all of a sudden it's like, wow. I mean, there's a handful of comedians right now that one of which I'm fairly close with. It's going through kind of like the whole, all the stuff of like mm. me too and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's such an interesting thing to watch the development you know, watch the, is that they grow, 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 grow. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you're, you're in position. The trees are so much taller. It's, you could see it from miles away. Now you have, there's like, there's something scientific about it of all the rest of the nodes. I think will have the tendency of like, how can we chop that thing yeah, back yeah, yeah. down? Cause if that's down, then I'm up. <laughs> and it's like, there's some equilibrium thing that happens with it. Mm -hmm. And so we seek out to be at that point. And then eventually some people play the game well enough that they arrive at that point. And then very often they resent that point. I want to take a quick moment and thank the Vital Mineral Magnesium for supporting the function of our nervous system, for supporting metabolization of fat, helping us get a good night's rest, helping muscle repair, so many different things. We need magnesium in our diets. The modern soil that we are consuming our food from is in large part void of this stuff, we don't get enough of it. The majority of Americans are deficient in magnesium. So it's one of the few minerals that I would recommend actually supplementing. For the most part, I think that you can get any nutrient that you need from just consuming whole foods. But when those whole foods are lacking in certain minerals, because literally the soil typically does not have it, then all of a sudden supplements make sense. And so that is why we teamed up with bio-optimizers to help support y'all's magnesium needs if you want to do all the things. It's got 150-odd different processes that it serves to function in your body and uh, burning fat, creating energy, helping with muscle repair. Sleep is a big one. I will use some of this stuff before I go to bed each night, and it is very helpful with my sleep quality. So we teamed up with BioOptimizers. They have a really excellent product called Magnesium Breakthrough or Mag Breakthrough. And it has all seven different forms of magnesium. And uh, it's great stuff. Very high quality. And it's everything you need wrapped up into a couple little capsules. Bammo, hit it up before you go to bed. And uh, you'll sleep better. Your muscles will repair better. And your nervous system will thank you in the morning. You can get yourself 10% off by going to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com slash Align Podcast. 10% off. Check that stuff out. And uh, it's going to support your mind, your body, your movement, all things. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here we go. Back to the program with the boys. Mind pump. Pow. See, I find it interesting that, you know, science wants to prove it, that it's it's some physiological thing that happens or that we can break it down scientifically. And then spiritually, we want to just attribute it all to God. 
there's got to be something there. And I feel like I, I, no matter which one you subscribe to, it's a religion. Mm-hmm. Everything know? is. Right. Science well, is one of the biggest religions. You, yeah, well, scientism is, yeah. uh, is a very dangerous, obviously, religion. Yeah. It lacks uh, morality. It's purely objective. Right, right? become it, computer. Well, it asks, it doesn't ask, should I? It always says, can I? Right. Oh, let me see. Yeah, it's not a should, you know. I, let's see if we can. That's always the question. I think you have to look at different lenses uh, to, to understand different types of wisdom. It doesn't make sense to use science to understand art or poetry. It doesn't make sense to use— We sure try to, though. We do. It doesn't make sense to use religion to understand science. Religion and spirituality has its own wisdom. And they're all—look, you know, if you believe in evolution, you have to believe in the evolution of ideas. And if things stick around a long time— it's because it's probably valuable. Yeah. There's probably some wisdom in there. If something's been around for a long time, don't just throw it out. Ask yourself, why have people found this particular thing valuable for as long as they have? Because it's gone through a lot of different people, you know, and combining them all is definitely going to be smarter than you. Find the wisdom with that. Don't just cut it out. Yeah, on all that, I think it comes back to like the same thing ancient wisdom, you know, having polarities, yin and yang and light and dark and sun and moon, east, west, science, you know, whatever the other ism is, science, scientism and whatever other ism, Mm -hmm. that's more like a holistic, more artistic, more, you know, expressive. Mm -hmm. You know, so you, you said it with, if we never were, were instructed how to deliver a baby, we would naturally figure it out, obviously. Mm. You know, and so it's one of those things where it's like we have the scientific flashlight from a Western person that grows up indoctrinated into the world that we have. It feels comforting to be able to come back and say, don't worry, everything's been defined. Everything's been measured. We have a scientific term for There's that. There's that arrogance, you know? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. don't worry. We understand. We've, we've put the definition on it. We got the DSM. You've got the, the ADHD. And you're like, oh, okay, I got the ADHD. Great. Don't worry, we got a drug for that. <laughs> great, great, great. You got a drug? Okay, cool. Okay, good, 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 good. We're good. You know, and then beyond that, so that's the more scientific realm. It's great. I'm glad that we have pharmaceutical drugs. I'm it's glad a- that we have surgery. I'm glad that we have all of that stuff. Behind that, it's like, well, how do you define and confine and delineate, um, you know, say someone playing a, a violin? that's making people weep in a subway in Paris. You're like, what's the science there? It's like, well, you see, that, that, that the song, it, it struck some chord in the amygdala. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Listen to the song. Doesn't yeah. need definition. <laughs> yeah. No, no. no you're, you're not going to solve, you're, you're not going to solve a spiritual illness with, uh, with, medicine, just like you're not going to solve a bacterial infection with art or yeah, whatever. And that's when this, the science mind can become judgmental of that same person we referenced before that went to Peru and did the ayahuasca journey and all that stuff. And then, but there's a lot of missing pieces that science hasn't completely classified yet. Uh, but perhaps in five years, maybe we might create some definitions for that. Interesting book, uh, Derek Thompson's Hitmakers. Have you read that before? No. Oh, so that you'll appreciate that for this conversation. Just the, we're talking about the science of art and music, and that book makes the case for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. read it. It's a good. It's an interesting read. You know, it contradicts what I think what we're saying and what we believe. But they, I mean, they believe that you can scientifically break down all that. I th- yeah, I think everything. It's yeah. I, I I describe science as. It's like you're in a car and you're driving down a dusty road and your experience in the car just mobbing down and switching gears. That's art. 
and you're just in the moment, you're feeling it, and you're like, I hit the jump and whatever, maybe a power slide, whew, you know, and then behind that, that artistic expression that just felt authentically, it was like, I was like moved by something. It just came out. I don't even know how to explain it. Behind that, once the dust starts to settle with time, you can have the scientists and the nerds coming up behind, nothing against nerd, I mean nerd in an endearing way. They come up behind and they, they're analyzing the tire tracks and they're analyzing the type of rubber that was used. And, right. and it's this very dry, sterile, kind of definitive, okay, this is what happened. We've got it. You put it into the books. It's like, yeah. hey, we have some science about that rad experience. <laughs> it it's reminds like, me of trying to, it, trying to break down flow state, right? Like that's how exactly. it is. Like when you have athletes and people that have been doing this for, you know, decades and probably centuries of, you know, doing things and they've been able to just drop into that without thinking about anything. And now we're trying to pick it apart and figure yeah. out how do we, how do we formulate but the, this? But the person in the car, it would be very easy for them to be like, you know, just write off. The, the nerd brigade falling behind and be like, ah, they don't know anything. You know, they're just, they're not even in the experience. Yeah. You know, and then the nerd brigade could be looking at the people in the car and they're like, they don't even understand the type of rubber in their tie. Like they don't know anything about this experience. Yeah. It's like, they're looking at almost two, it's like two different languages describing the same thing. And then they're having wars about it. It's like, <laughs> what if we just team up and then, you know, I think that's how people. That reminds me of the potential consequences that I feel I see when I go to like a, a live sporting event now. And, you know, because I've been watching live sports for a very long time, I've watched this crazy evolution in the last like decade of where you saw none of this before. And, and then I watched a little bit of it and then more and more of it than the majority of it. Now, like everybody, when you're at like a live concert or a live game has gone from being in the moment, feeling the music, feeling the game, and, and being so into the environment to caring more about recording it through your phone so you could post it and share it on, on Instagram. They're watching the whole thing through their phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's crazy. I, yeah, I always, I always think about, like, what are the unintended consequences of that? Like, will they, will they uh, experience less joy yeah. because of that, or will they never get the fullest feeling of what that is like being almost one with that moment because they are so concerned about mm -hmm. sharing that with well, others. It's just in a different medium, mm -hmm. you know, their medium as opposed to being absorbed by the, the sound and being with the people and all that, that their medium is capture. I want to capture. And I'm looking into the screen and, you know, even inherently looking into the screen as opposed to utilizing panoramic vision, you know, your eyes are an extension of your brain and the way that you use your vision, if you're narrowing in your focus, that goes back into, you know, say I'm pulling a bow back and I'm focusing all my energy into that one prey that's out there. I, you know, I get my proper cocktail of cortisol and stress hormones and I'm really focusing like a shark versus say I take in the whole panoramic vision, which is Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andrew Huberman. He reviewed my whole chapter about this, thankfully, because I had all sorts of errors. And he was like, this is how it actually should be written. Um, <laughs> he's a, a researcher up in Stanford, which is, Stanford's like right beside here, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's he's back and forth through here. He's like one of the, the smartest humans and his perception of the way that our visual muscles inform our autonomic nervous system is is brilliant. You know, and so when you go into taking in that that panoramic view of the whole entire, you know, you're watching the, you know, all the crowd and you're watching, you know, maybe it's an outdoor concert and mm -hmm. clouds or all that, it literally informs the nervous system that you're in a more open, flow, calm, receptive place. When you narrow your vision in, you organize your nervous system to more executive function, get shit done. I'm here to capture. Oh, that's interesting because do you remember when we theorized about this, Sal? About the experience you have when you go somewhere like Yosemite. Uh -huh. 
And, it changes you. And why do we all have this breathtaking moment? It's just rocks and trees and sky. Yeah, yeah you can look at it in a picture. Right, but exactly. But why when you go there? And I, we theorized that it had something to do with uh, really at that moment recognizing how small you are in comparison to something so the grand. The scale is overwhelming. But what you're saying is a little bit different than that. That's very interesting. It's both. Me. Yeah, that's interesting. So, it, so first it, it puts you into a place of receptivity. And then that allows those those thoughts to start to kind of stir up in that cauldron. Mm. But first, you need to be in a receptive place. So if you were just watching Yosemite on a screen, you're seeing the same image. But it's not nearly going to hit you in that visceral way. And that's because literally it's like you, you first are opening the container through those visual muscles slash everything else. It sounds it's, you're, you're being enlivened. You know, and so in our modern day where you're taking all of those potential, have you guys hunted ever? I have when I was younger. Been, so, so, so I went bow hunting for the first time last summer in, in uh, Maui, Hawaii. And as I was out there, it's this insane sensation, like literally like all the cliche things, like feeling like more alive than I ever had and all that stuff. It was quite true because I was being forced to have this sense of, sound and wind and, you know, everything like behind me to the left, I was measuring distances. Okay, cool. Like that bush is 20 yards and, you know, taking my, my range by that bush is 30 yards, that bush is 50 yards. You know, so I'm literally like, just by me just posting up here, I'm, I'm enlivening my brain. It's like, a, like an electrical storm inside my mind to be able to cast a net in my environment and like become the environment. Mm. Whereas when you just put all of that information of that moment into some like bow hunting special on TNT, <laughs> you're like, like you're kind of dying in a way. Wow. If the reference point, the other side of the spectrum was becoming enlivened by your environment. Right. I think capturing all of that, putting it into a screen and calling that your, your life, I think that would you know, be kind of the opposite. Always an interesting time hanging out with you, dude. Yeah. Thanks for coming, mm -hmm. bro. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now you're going back to the oven. Yeah. Well, don't I leave the don't oven. burn your I'm vegan pizza. So here's so here's the plan. Hopefully, we can come back and do another podcast, assuming this plan goes through, because I'll have stories, um, and I'd love to have you guys back on mine and all that. All For that sure. Stuff. I'll probably co-release this if you guys permit it or something. No, let's do that. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, that's we'll fine. figure it out. But the plan next spring uh, would be to have a whole bag of new stories, because this winter the plan, um, you know, world permitting, is to go out to Papua New Guinea and Tanzania and Sri Lanka and all sorts of places that people have been kind of living the way they've been living for, for lots of years um, and be able to have a more real visceral anthropological perspective of what the hell has been going on in our bodies for thousands of years. And then that would be the beginnings of, of book number two. Oh, I'm excited for that, dude. Right on. I hope. World permitting. We'll see what the heck is happening in the yeah, world. I know. Yeah, I know. But I appreciate you guys so much having me here. Thank you so much. I'm, Thanks for coming I'm on, man. honored to be here. I really appreciate spending time with you guys. Thanks, brother. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, you can share some of the bits on the Instagram. It's a great place. Wherever you do your shares, you can tag me at Aligned Podcast or tag any of the Mind Pump fellas. So they're at Mind Pump Media, Mind Pump Sal, Mind Pump Adam, Mind Pump Justin. And find those guys on there and share some meaningful tidbits that you found helpful in this conversation. Also, I want to thank people for grabbing the Align Method 
book. That is my pride and joy. It's absolutely the proudest thing that I've ever put together. And we discussed it in this conversation. So if you have interest, you can find that thing on Amazon. You could find that thing, I don't know, bookstores. I don't even know if bookstores are open. If they are, that's a great place as well. Amazon's a great spot called The Aligned Method. And if you do, leave us a five-star review on the Amazon. And I uh, greatly appreciate it. I read all those guys. It means the world to see. Thanks for using iTunes. Thanks for doing you. Thanks for uh, just being here with us. I've done this podcast for five years. We're still going. It's grown me a lot. Hopefully it has been supportive in your life as well. I will see you next week. Wow.